Welcome, everybody, to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. Well, we just lost one. <laughs> At least we've still got our guest. Wow. <laughs> I'm a bad guest. Welcome, Ben. Welcome to the Future Longest Creators Podcast. I'm excited to have you here today, and I know my lovely co-hosts are as well. I think they're having some technical difficulties, and will join us when they can. Yeah, we can we can get this thing started a, a little bit um, while they maybe hopefully rejoin. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, sounds good. Ben, tell us about yourself. Um, you're my wonderful co-worker at ConvertKit, but you're also a creator. Introduce yourself to the people. Yeah. So I've been with ConvertKit for a couple of years now. And before ConvertKit, well, actually, I mean, I'll start with everything that's relevant. I don't have to give you my whole life story. But um, <laughs> I mean, so, we've got time. We're waiting for the others to come back. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. My current project is I have a YouTube channel that I'm mainly focused on. In order to grow, I have a website that is about kind of self-development, um, brilliantside.com. And for a couple of years, two and a half years, maybe three years, I ran a podcast called Shut Up Brain. You can find it on Spotify and iTunes. And I just recently made the big decision to take a hiatus from that podcast, which is probably what we'll end up talking about, my reasons for that. <laughs> yes, definitely. We've got Haley back, so that's exciting. Welcome back, Haley. Welcome, Haley. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I have no idea what just happened. 20 seconds before we went live, I got kicked out, but I'm back. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Ben, that is what we want to talk to you about today, because how many listeners did your podcast have? Because I feel like people need to know that to know, like, just what a big decision this was. Yeah. So the way they measure podcast statistics is when you release an episode, like how many downloads it gets within 30 days. Mm -hmm. And so typically when I'd release an episode, I would get between two to five or 6,000 downloads per episodes. I've had episodes with more, well, not really episodes with less, but yeah. So it was bigger than a super small podcast, but it wasn't anywhere near some of the big podcasts with like tens of thousands of people. But it was pretty nice having a regular group of people coming and listening to my ideas and ramblings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you think when you hear those numbers, Haley? Because I personally think it's very impressive. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I feel like a little bit, I have no idea. That's my honest answer. (laughs) I have absolutely no idea. I think though podcasting, to be honest, is like kind of a new world a bit for me, right? Like hosting or being a, a guest on The Future Belongs to Creators when Nathan and Barrett hosted it. That was really my first foray into the podcasting world. And so that's brand new for me. So when I look at numbers, it feels like on the podcasting side of things, it's just not very transparent. So you really don't have any idea on what good numbers actually look like. And so the only numbers that I'm really privy to are the numbers for this podcast, you know? And so to me, I'm like, whoa, Ben, that's you're killing it, you know? <laughs> I think the reason why I'm a little bit trying to be, I guess, humble with, not humble is not even a good word but trying to downplay the number of listeners is because podcast is such a unique medium and that in order, you're back, Miguel. <laughs> I got kicked out too. Don't worry. This is how you know it's live, everybody. This is how you know that what you're watching is really happening right now. <laughs> you mean like when you just asked me that question and I was totally flustered because I hadn't I, I missed Ben's intro and, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the banter that I had been saving up, like just went away. <laughs> Well, now that we're all here, Haley, go on, hit us with some banter. You know, we no. love some good pre-prepared banter on this show. <laughs> I just really wanted to talk about Ben looking like a Hemsworth brother. Do you see his hair? And so yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the hair, actually, because I have a story about this. Is <laughs> I love Chris Hemsworth. I love all the Hemsworths. But 
the reason I got long hair, I used to have long hair for a long time, is because of Thor and Chris Hemsworth. And the reason I cut it off is actually because he cut off his hair. And I was like, I, I love his haircut. So it's like the best compliment you could have ever given me, Haley. Oh, the first time I saw, uh, it was like one of the first times that we interacted. I can't remember if it was in Boise or if it was at a retreat, but I saw Ben and I was like, holy shit, this guy looks just like the Hemsworth brothers, <laughs> you know? He's also incredibly fit. And so he like really fits in. I even pulled up a photo of the Hemsworth brothers <laughs> that I was going to try to share to p- imagine Ben's f- face next to them because it's like, it's real guys. I'm okay having the whole podcast about this. Like my vanity is just, <laughs> and my head just getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> I'll just go update the title real quick. One second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Miguel, have we got your microphone back? Yeah, dude, what are you, is this good? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're good now. Awesome. Do you think that we'll get more engagement if uh, it's featuring Ben Hemsworth? Definitely. Yep. Yeah, let's do it. I like um, what uh, Sketchnote Academy has said here. <laughs> You're a Zen Hemsworth brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> All right, Miguel. Oh, well, man. now that you're back, because this was actually your like idea for an episode to, to have been, been on. Do you want to tell us a bit about why you wanted to do that and what we want to talk about? I wanted to put the most amount of pressure on myself so then all of my technology would explode. So <laughs> I have so far succeeded Success. Um, in that. So things are going great. But basically, when I was thinking about what our podcast was going to be, I was thinking, what can we really talk about with my buddy Ben? Because I know he has a ton of experience being a creator and being having a, a podcast. And now I know he's switching over to YouTube. And that got me thinking, you know, how do people choose the medium that they want to create in. I mean, obviously certain mediums, depending on what you create, lend themselves to what you're doing. If you're a recording artist, obviously something like, you know, SoundCloud or or YouTube might be more your go-to, but what Ben does, I feel like he has a little bit more flexibility. So yeah, I know he's done, I think over a hundred episodes of the Shut Up Brain podcast. So what is your actual number, Ben? I think it's a 136 or 137 right now. So that's amazing, man. I mean, anybody to have that kind of consistency and just like, you know, I don't think I've done anything a hundred times that I'm proud of. So (laughs) that's that's amazing. (laughs) Nathan and Barrett have both said this several times, but they were talking about creator sessions and they were basically saying, we're going to invest in doing this for a really long time and it might not be successful. But after you hit like a certain point, like success, you know, you might kind of like the a hockey stick, you know, if you're putting a hockey stick this way, it's like, you just got to invest in doing it consistently over time. And then eventually that spike is going to happen. If you can really consistently invest in doing something over and over and over, despite all of the ups and downs that you're, you're going to see. So do, yeah, do I agree doing something a hundred times like a podcast or like a YouTube, you know, something on YouTube, it feels like a lot of times. Yeah, I really like Ali Abdal's advice. He's like my creator crush. He's this doctor from the UK with a great YouTube channel. And he gives the advice that when it comes to growing on YouTube, create valuable content uh, once or twice a week for two years. And <laughs> like, if you're doing that, you're going to release about 100-ish videos or, or more. And you kind of really need that in order to solidify your message, also get better at the creative process. And you just need time for the algorithms and people to discover you. 
what a lot of people don't know is I had a podcast before the Shut Up Brain podcast called the Brilliant Side podcast because that was my URL, brilliantside.com. And I recorded about 30 or 40 episodes of that. And I never really got more than maybe 50 downloads per episode. And then I went to Craft and Commerce, which is what a conference that ConvertKit throws. And they had a speaker that was talking about branding and things like that. And anyway, I decided to rebrand. No one knows what brilliant side means. It's like a riddle. And so my uh, my partner and I came up with the the name Shut Up Brain because it like perfectly describes someone that has anxiety or overthinks a little bit, which is my target demographic. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to call it this. I threw away those 30 or 40 episodes I had recorded, started from square one again, and then recorded another 30 or 40 before that hockey stick started happening. So I ended up recording, I guess, what, 60 or 70 before I saw any sort of growth. And that's awesome. And the cool thing about podcasts and YouTube is when you create something, it's not like it's gone. It's not like broadcast TV, like that you're like creating a bank of ideas and content that you've made. It's kind of like what Netflix does, right? Like they just, they add to their value by producing and producing and, and pulling in content. And then they're just increasing their value because their catalog just gets bigger. It's able to pull in more people. I know like sometimes when I find a new podcast, I'm excited because even though I'm just now getting into it, there's 300 episodes and I can just go through from one from like years ago, just because it's two years old doesn't mean it's not relevant right now. I mean, if it's like a, a news podcast, maybe that's less relevant right now, but maybe it's kind of interesting to like look at things retrospectively. So there, there's value no matter what. Yeah. So there's something to be said for just creating and just adding, you know, to your catalog like that. Yeah, there's a, a creator I follow called Catherine Manning, who used to be known as the content bug. And she just records um, YouTube videos about building businesses and, and YouTube and whatnot. And she had a video blow up that she recorded like eight months prior. And she went from like 3,000 subscribers when I found her to like 50,000 in a couple of months just because of that old video she recorded months and months in the past. So if you're creating consistently good content, if people can discover you from like one episode or one video or one piece of content, and if you have a nice backlog, they can just, yeah, dive in and binge it, like you said. But you need that backlog, which is why it's important to create for a significant amount of time. I'm curious, Ben, do you feel like, well, I have many questions for you, but let's start with this one. So you've reached like 137 episodes of your podcast. Do you feel like you were trying to reach that 100 episode number before you made a decision about what was next for you? And reaching that, did you feel like, okay, this isn't getting me where I want it to go? Or I don't know. Tell us a little bit more about this decision because it really is interesting to like stop doing something that is you're having some success with to pursue something else. Yeah. There's kind of two answers in there is when I started the podcast, I was like 100 episodes was my goal. I was like, I'm not going to even judge this thing until I get to 100 episodes, which was really helpful in the beginning, the first 20, 30 episodes where I was just, it felt like I was shouting into the void. In fact, I complained to my partner about that so many times that like, wow, I, no one's listening to me here. And then once I started getting uh, more downloads and people actually emailing me and saying, wow, you really changed my life and XYZ, I really love this episode. That was really satisfying, but I still didn't judge until episode 100. And then I made a really big mistake. 
my mistake was I didn't have a plan for after episode 100. Because when episode 100 hit, I was successful, got thousands of downloads per episode. Um, but, and I reached my goal and I felt really good for like 24 to 48 hours. And then I was like, okay, where do I go from here? And that actually resulted in probably a four or five month period of me not posting as consistently, kind of like struggling with burnout and like where I was going to go with this thing. And I eventually sorted myself out, but I think not having a plan after the goal is like, was a really big mistake of mine. Uh, in fact, I recorded multiple podcasts about my whole internal struggle, struggle about this. It was very meta. I'm curious about what about your mindset? Like, where did the mindset shift happen? Was it at episode 99 and episode 100? Like, where did the mindset shift happen where you're like, I have to do something different than what I was doing before, right? Because you had mentioned, who was it that you had mentioned uh, had said, just put something out twice a week? Oh, yeah. Ali Abdal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where did that shift happen where all of a sudden the expectation on yourself changed to where you couldn't be happy with the results that you had got from episode 100 to episode 101? So the thing that I think not a lot of creators talk about, and I'm really bad at business in general, but this is kind of embarrassing, I'm going to admit, but running my YouTube channel, my podcast and my website requires like software and hosting and everything like that. And so by me creating these 100 episodes, I was losing about $300 per month for two years, like consistently $300 or more. And I wasn't making any money either. And so once I reached that 100 episodes, like, yeah, it's great. Thousands of people are listening to me, but like, this is costing me a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy. And so I think that's what really caused me a lot of struggle after that 100 episodes is I had my horse blinders on just focusing on getting there. And I assumed that once I got there, the money part would have been worked out. And so the last 37 episodes have been me struggling to find out how to fix the money solution. Like I tried launching a premium podcast with premium memberships and it was not nearly as popular as I wanted it to be to continue to sustain things. And then I had a difficult conversation with um, one of our coworkers, uh, Stephen, who gave me some advice that I discounted at first, but um, eventually really thought about it. And he suggested that I go all in on, on YouTube because that's where I was passionate about and where I could see a lot of growth. And also the thing about YouTube that I love is there's a built-in monetization thing within it. Like not only is there YouTube AdSense, which is probably not great, but also sponsorships are there. That's like a thing. And yes, you can do sponsorship ads for podcasts, but you really do need to be getting more downloads than I was getting. That's why I've decided to like make the big shift to shut down or take a hiatus from the podcast. I plan on coming back to it eventually, but I need to get my finances sorted out. <laughs> the, the reason I mentioned that is I feel like with creators and stuff like that, there is the assumption like, oh, wow, thousands of people are listening to you. You have a really popular podcast. You must be like making some good money here. It's like, no, I am losing money every month doing this. And I have faith that that won't always be the case. But yeah, sometimes you have to make changes. Yeah, I'm curious if you had pitched trying to get a sponsorship for your podcast or if at 100 episodes you were expecting the sponsorship request to come your way? I was more expecting sponsorships to come to me. There was some that I reached out to and some that did find me spontaneously, but I always found they just weren't a good fit. And 
I have limiting beliefs around selling and stuff like that that I'm trying to work through myself, but I just didn't want to pitch something that I didn't think that my audience would get a lot of benefit out of. I think that was smart. I think that was a good approach to take. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. So we'll, we'll see what happens with YouTube. I think there's more growth potential there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, with YouTube, I can say that, yes, there is growth <laughs> potential for YouTube because I have a podcast and a YouTube channel. This is something that uh, when we were, you know, talking um, just as friends about this decision of yours and you asked me, like, how I run both. And my answer was I have a lot of help <laughs> in, in being able to do this and in being able to manage multiple content streams because it is a lot of work. Um, and so I like what you're doing with choosing where to put a focus. And I found for me, for sure, YouTube has led to more revenue than the podcast has, for sure. One more thing that I think that is important to know about the difference in the mediums podcasting and YouTube is with YouTube, you are already like online and you can click on a link really easily. With a podcast, it is difficult mm. to get someone to stop listening to their podcast and go type in a URL and like go buy something or sign up for something or things like that. It's just much more difficult to do. But you do get a deeper relationship, I think, with the podcast. At least that's my theory. This is a, a great segue into a different question. I was wondering, is it a good idea to have multiple outlets? Because I know, like Charlie says, you know, you do some fun stuff on Twitch, you do some YouTube, you're kind of in several different places and different places. mediums <laughs> everywhere. But like, as you just said, you you do that with help. You know, there's only so much of you to go around so many hours in the day. I was just wondering, is it good to cast a wide net and just be like, so people can see me here and see me there and they see me everywhere. And then everywhere I go, I, you know, I can, depending on if I'm on a jog, I can listen to a podcast. If I'm sitting at home, I can watch a YouTube video. If, you know, if I'm hanging out, just wanting to like kick back and relax, I can watch, you know, Charlie play among us on Twitch, you <laughs> know, like there, there's all kinds of options to get to interact with this person that I liked, uh, Charlie. So is that necessarily, uh, the way to go or is it, does it depend on what you're trying to do. It does depend on, as Ben pointed out, financially, is that feasible? I mean, if you're getting like a, a virtual assistant to help you with these things, obviously that's not free. And then hosting all these things is not free. So it's like the age old question, you know, how much do you invest in something up front? You, you can burn a brighter flame, but you use more of what you have up front, you know? And then you eventually run out of money or, or creative potential or, or your, your heart's not in it anymore because you know, drowning in the non-creative parts of it. Yeah. I want to add something into this though, that I think is just an important thing to highlight. And I, I feel like creators experience this all the time. All four of us on this call work full-time for ConvertKit, right? And all of us essentially have a, a version of a side hustle or like a hobby, right? That's pulling additional attention away from us. And that's really how most creators start, right? It's like they're they're doing something and they have a full-time job and they're choosing to invest in the side hustle. And then when their side hustle gets to a certain point, then they make this transition into that being their full-time hustle, right? And so when I'm thinking about this question, I'm thinking like, I only have so many hours after my full-time job to invest in a side hustle, right? It's like, do you, with that in mind, especially for like beginning creators, do you say, I'm going to do these three things? Or do you say, I'm going to invest all my additional time and extra time above and beyond what I'm doing to make a living? Do I invest it in one thing? Oh, that's something that I've really kind of come to terms with over the past, fairly recently, past couple of months is... I would have these perfect days where I would like do a full eight hour shift to convert kit. And then I would 
do my various hobbies. Like maybe I would work out, maybe I'd practice the cello, maybe I'd record a podcast episode, maybe I'd, I'm learning Spanish and stuff too. But even with those perfect days, I would still have two or three things I wasn't able to get to. Like I wasn't able to get to the YouTube video. I wasn't able to write a blog post. And so I've kind of come to terms that like I can really do about two things after work and they kind of have to rotate. Like it's going to either be create content or maybe it's going to be practicing music or maybe it's going to be, you know, doing something else. And that's after having cut out things. Like now I, I don't do jujitsu. I don't do Muay Thai. I don't do any of that stuff anymore. I'm just kind of more focused on the creative part of the, the equation. Yeah. And I think that it's really important to pick your medium based on what you're passionate about because of that reason, right? Like when you're especially getting started as a creator, like you said, Haley, you're doing it part-time alongside something else. Usually we've got a lot of, um, people who are converted customers who are stay-at-home moms and are starting like a, a business alongside their job of taking care of the kids full-time, you know. It's still, you're making choices about where to spend your time. And by making choice to spend your time on one thing, because of that limited time, you're actively saying no to a bunch of other stuff, right? And so it is important for me to be creating on the platforms that I enjoy the most. And that's why I really started out creating on YouTube because I enjoyed consuming it. And so I wanted to be putting content back into there. I wasn't thinking really about growth potential and revenue potential at that stage when I made that decision, but I feel like it turned out to be a good one to, to be creating on there. And then to your point, Miguel, I feel like I've started doing other things to sort of further try and expand my brand to not be known as a YouTuber. It's really important to me that I'm not Charlie as a YouTuber. I'm Charlie as a designer who creates design content on YouTube, on a podcast, on Twitch, like, you know, all these different places. And so that's why I, like, it's like a little personal hang up of mine really is why I focus on trying to be, be all the places. But I think it's good to create for as many outlets as you can because of that extra chance of reaching the audience in the way that they prefer to consume the most. Cause we all like to learn and, you know, experience entertainment in different ways. The more platforms you're on and the more mediums you're creating within the more chance that someone, you know, within your audience is going to be there too. How much audience crossover do you want and expect for those mm. multiple mediums? Because I, I don't expect to have very many people from my podcast come over to YouTube and vice versa, because people have straight up told me I don't watch YouTube videos. <laughs> so like, I'm kind of curious what your experience has been. I think there's definitely a lot of crossover, but also some people who only follow me on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the only content they experience from me. So that's important to keep in mind as well. And that's why, like, I mean, I have to give just a small little pitch of a convert kit at this point. Like, that's why we talk about building your audience, like on a platform that you own, right? So that no matter what I'm putting out, no matter what I'm publishing, whether it's on my blog, my YouTube podcast, whatever, I can always email my audience to let them know about the thing from one place. Yeah. I want to push back though on, on what Charlie said about the crossover, because I think in some cases that can be a little bit of a dangerous piece of advice. And the reason why I think that is if you're going back to like someone who has an eight hour work day, right. And you're saying, well, you got to be everywhere. Right. And I know that's not your intent, but you're saying, you know, like you want to provide everyone a place to go that wants to consume your content. 
that can cause burnout pretty quick, right? So I think that that you have to take that piece of advice that Charlie gave and put it in very specific context to what you're capable of doing. And maybe you're only capable of committing and doing a great job at one platform. And that's also okay too. I guess what I'm saying is I don't want you to walk away or anyone who's listening to walk away from this thinking, well, I have to do it all because that's not the case. You have to evaluate how much time you have to contribute and where you invest your time and that you might have the time to invest in YouTube and podcasting and Instagram and in your own, you know, on your own site or whatever, or you just might have the time to do it on Instagram. And there are use cases for both being really successful. I think of this, um, there's this one DIY blogger, her name is Angela Rose home. And I'm worried about how this is going to come across, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Oh boy. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Honestly, not a big fan of her personality. I find her to be kind of quirky and weird, but I watch everything she does. I don't know why. It's like, I really don't know why. But in May, I went back and looked at it. In May, she had 300,000 subscribers. She has 804,000 people following her Instagram right now. And she's just super consistent and she only does Instagram. So she's had like HGTV out to do a pitch for, you know, but it's like you look at her growth compared to a lot of other DIY bloggers and a lot of other DIY bloggers are trying to do it all over the place. They're trying to do YouTube videos and actually teach people. They're, you know, they're trying to diversify and she's just like all in. And as a result, you know, you've seen her, you've seen her massively blow up. And so I think that there's success in, in both avenues and you just really have to like, you have to identify where you fit in on that scale of what you can do or else you're going to get into a spot where you experience massive burnout. Yeah, that's a great point, Haley. Mm -hmm. You know, and the question of the medium is such an interesting one because not only does it shape how people engage with your content and your what you're creating, it also obviously shapes how you create. It has a an effect on you and what you're making. So when you have the the medium in mind, you know, is this going to be video centric? Is it going to be audio centric? It's going to change the creativity, the art, and it's also going to change your audience because you might have a preferred way that you consume content, especially mine. I'll give you kind of an off the wall example, but I like Jim Carrey movies a lot. (laughs) You may not know this, but Jim Carrey lately has been crazy into creating art as in like painting. Did not know that. Yeah. And uh, I have zero interest in it at all. It'd be cool to see, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I wonder what he's painted this week. Like, I don't care in that way. But if he has a new movie coming out, it's going to pique my interest and I might want to engage with that. The person sometimes can be irrelevant because if it's not my preferred way of of interacting with that creator, then I'm probably not going to go out of my way to seek it out. I mean, if it happens to be in front of me on the internet, like you're scrolling through Facebook and somebody's like, hey, check out what Jim Carrey painted. Isn't this crazy? Sure, I'll see it that way. But I didn't go out of my way for that. So that's why I was so interested in this topic, because like the medium affects who interacts with you, how you interact with your followers and your fans, but also changes what you do and how you do it. So it's just kind of, for that reason, probably pretty difficult to create a pretty seamless brand across all mediums, which maybe you guys have seen this. You don't want to be Charlie the YouTuber who's also on Instagram, Mm. right? 
Yeah. But that's how somebody might see you. Like they might know you as a YouTuber. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, I have Instagram. Maybe she, she's on there. Oh, this is cool. This is nothing like her YouTube videos though. So I don't know if I'm into this. You know? Yeah. So. I wonder if there's a way that you could think about it. Like where do your true fans live? You think about you need a hundred, you know, or what is it? A hundred true fans that buy a hundred dollars worth of stuff, you know, type of thing. When you're looking at monetizing your business, where do your true fans live? The people that are actually going to buy something from you. So when you have a product to sell, is your 80% of your true fan base living in YouTube, you know, Mm -hmm. because they're going to be more likely to convert there, right? That if, if that's where your true fans live as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to your point earlier, Haley, about, um, like being everywhere, I think that like, yes, I like what you clarified because I would say that your content and your like growth is going to suffer if you try and spread yourself too thin and you burn out or you're not producing quality stuff because you're trying to be everywhere. It's much better to do less things well than to do more things shitty. (laughs) (laughs) We've officially said shit three times because I just said it. We said we were only going to, oh no, we said we could say shit as many times as we wanted, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the rules well, of this show. <laughs> for everyone's listening, yeah, we we definitely had a can we curse conversation. And, <laughs> and we, we just did. The answer yeah, is yes. Yeah, and we just did. So, <laughs> But let me finish my point. <laughs> just, uh, I had to throw that in there. I will say that it is the reality that, like I think your Instagrammer person example is more the exception than the norm in Mm. being just on one place and like being wildly successful with it. I think that the more you can sort of like repurpose content into other mediums, Mm. the more chance you'll have of like finding that initial momentum. So that's a reality to think about as well, is that if you're struggling to grow on this one platform that you've been working in, maybe see if there's ways to repurpose stuff elsewhere. Like some advice I gave to Ben that I mean, I don't think he's going to do it, which is fine because it's his content (laughs) was that like, why can't you take the audio from your YouTube videos and put that on the podcast feed, you know, so that you're still contacting that audience. There's ways you can repurpose content to be more efficient with your time in that way. But Ben, what is your thoughts on all this? We invited you on as the guest and then we've done a lot of the talking. (laughs) We just mostly wanted more of an audience. We just, we like to put on an act for our friends. I'll, I'll touch on briefly what you just mentioned, Charlie. The reason I am not going to repurpose my content is I never watch the YouTube videos that are just podcast recorded. And I assume it's, I talk differently when I make YouTube videos than I do on a podcast. I talk much more casually on a podcast and stuff like that. I don't edit nearly as, as heavily, but what I am planning on doing is maybe repurposing some of my older archived episodes and archived content into YouTube videos and maybe even just like remaking the content so that way I don't have to like start from square one. And the last thing I, was, I had mentioned with Haley that Instagram we were talking about, just being like 100% on Instagram seems super scary to me. Like I've seen people on certain platforms, if you're just only on one platform, it's just like if an algorithm changes or if something happens, like I'm sure there's lots of people out there that build a huge following on Parler, which has essentially been destroyed. Like what happens if that happens? So, well, I think that this kind of goes back to Charlie's point that like, I do agree or believe this wholeheartedly. I mean, I do work at ConvertKit, so I kind of have to believe this, but you know, <laughs> it should, it should always be YouTube and ConvertKit. It shouldn't be yeah. YouTube or ConvertKit. And, and I don't mean ConvertKit email in general, something that allows you to own your audience. Right. 
But I go back to the true fans thing. For her, that's where her true fans lie. She knows that like she's so well connected into her audience that it doesn't matter if the YouTube or if the Instagram algorithm changes because people are obsessed with her, you know? So they just find her. Like I said, I don't even like her stuff. And I, (laughs) or I don't, I don't like her design, put it that way. But I still am really invested for some reason into what she's doing. Are you talking about Charlie or this other person? <laughs> yeah, she's talking about me. She hates my design. Yeah. <laughs> For a second there, I was like, damn, it's like she's just getting real right now. Unsolicited feedback live. <laughs> she hates your shit, Charlie. She hates it. I wonder if we can sum up this question of like, how do you choose the right medium? Like it's kind of a cop-out answer, but really the answer is like, it's the medium that you want to create on the most. Yeah, 100%. You know? Like, even if it, you know, thinking about your audience as well is obviously smart, but if it's an audience you're interested in, it's probably going to be the medium that you're most interested in as well. But yeah, to keep the passion up, that's what you've got to do, right? Is create the things that you want to be creating. And like Miguel said, the medium you choose dictates really what you're going to create. And so. Mm -hmm. When I started my podcast, I was listening to a ton of podcasts and I just don't listen to as many podcasts now. Now I'm watch more YouTube videos, but whenever I've tried to like just build a audience in a specific platform, like Facebook groups or things like that. Like I, I am not on Facebook, so they weren't successful. I I've tried Pinterest, but I don't like Pinterest. So it wasn't successful. So I think that's really, really good advice, Charlie. Yeah. Anyone, any, any other nuggets to wrap this up with? <laughs> One last thing I wanted to make sure I got Ben's take on, cause we touched on it a little bit, but, and I know we're kind of getting close to time, but I wanted to throw it in here. This is our um, podcast. We can go as long as we want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what? That's absolutely right. And I'm driving here. So Ben, I wanted to know, you said that uh, there's a lot of, not, maybe not a lot of audience crossover because from your know, podcasting to YouTube and all that, but I assume that you mentioned to your following on podcasts that, hey, I'm taking a break. I'm going to do YouTube. I, I assume you probably said, hey, f- you know, find me here and like kind of gave them a, an on-ramp to find you on YouTube. Did you get any sort of like reaction? I mean, I'm sure you got people saying, oh no, I love your podcast. Please stop, don't stop, you know, because your podcast is great. I listened to it too. I was bummed out as well, but I'm wondering, I I assume you didn't get a lot of people saying, cool, see you on YouTube. Um, It was kind of like, oh, that sucks, you know, enjoy YouTube. Yeah, yeah, most people um, said like, I think it was split up to like a third and a third and a third. Like a third of people were like, oh, that sucks, but I'll definitely be watching you on YouTube. A third of the people were like, oh, that sucks. I don't watch YouTube. Sorry, Ben. And well, I guess it's just a half and half. I don't know what the other third would be. <laughs> so, um, but that's what, what I'm planning on doing is so my podcast doesn't die is when I released the premium version of the podcast, I essentially took 90 of the episodes and I took them off the public feed and I put them behind a paywall. What I'm going to be doing is just re-releasing those episodes with a quick quick blurb at the beginning that says, hey, this is an archived episode, but if you want to find my latest content, go to benonyoutube.com. Again, that URL is benonyoutube.com. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, <thank you. laughs> um, and yeah, it's easy to buy a quick URL to just redirect people because that's what I've had to do in the past. Whenever I want someone to take action, you have to just have something, some super simple domain to use. And we'll see what happens. I have not yet released a YouTube video on my channel since I quit 
the podcast, but I'm not expecting it to go gangbusters. I'm having some realistic goals when it comes to YouTube. I'm hoping to maybe get up to 10,000 subscribers by the end of this year. I have 3,000 right now. It would be amazing if I got up to 20,000, but I'm hoping for slow, steady growth. I think that is some advice Charlie gave me, which is a really good indication of success is slow, steady growth. Here's yeah, and that- Oh, go ahead, Miguel. Me first. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, uh, like we were talking about before, you have all that, all that work stockpiled. And I mean, I can imagine even through YouTube, you might touch on something that reminds you of an episode 67 or whatever. And you'd be like, uh, you know, I did a great episode on this and I'm not going to deep dive on it now, but if you want more on that, I did a whole episode and here that is. And then, you know, that's, that adds value to the YouTube video. And it also, you know, continues to, um, you know, let, lets you use stuff you've already done. So yeah. it's, it's not like yeah. it's wasted effort, you know, sorry, Haley, go ahead. Oh, you're fine. I was just thinking there are two important things that I wanted to um, pull out of what you had just said, Ben, about like the percentage of people, you know, that was actually a pretty good indication of like how many true fans you actually had. Because I feel like podcast listeners are pretty casual listeners. Right. And if they're willing to say, okay, well, I usually consume podcasts. That's my source of like, you know, I like listening to this, but they're saying, oh, I'm willing to go. I'll follow you on YouTube. That's a true fan, right? So like you're, you're getting 3000, 6,000 downloads per episode and you immediately can kind of sum up. I've got 3000, 1500, whatever the number is true fans. And that's a, that's a pretty good gauge. The other thing I wanted to highlight was that if I were you, and I looked like a Hemsworth brother, I would also want to be on YouTube. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying it feels like the right move because of your hair and your face. So, <laughs> Well, so the, the funny thing about that is um, most of my uh, Shut Up Brain podcast audience, they don't know what I look like. And every now and then I'll send them to a YouTube video and they'll be like, oh, wow, I did not think you look like that. I didn't think you had a beard and all this other stuff which I think is kind of funny, the the picture people have in their mind. And then I'll push back on kind of what you said about the true fans thing. It's something that I'm working through. So I assume if I get between two and 6,000 downloads per episode, let's just take the bare minimum 2,000 people tune in every week for new episodes. What is going to be like the percentage of those people that are true fans? Like, well, let's assume it's 10%, which is 200 people. Is that correct? So that's why when I launched my premium podcast, I'll be like, this will be successful. 200 people at $9 a month, this is going to be amazing. And I think by the time I shut it down, I had 15 people. So that's like closer to point something percent. And so I think being a creator and making it sustainable, if you have a message you want to share, you need to somehow make it sustainable for you. And that's why I realized about the podcast is it cost me money and energy and stuff like that. It just wasn't sustainable Um, And so I was doing a disservice to my fans by not monetizing a lot earlier on to make it sustainable for me and them. And also when you release that final product, really providing a lot of value. And I thought I was with what I offered, like I offered the episode archived. I also offered exclusive episodes and additional extensions to the new episodes, but it wasn't enough. And so I don't know if I don't have as many true fans as I thought, or if I wasn't providing the value. Again, I'm pretty authentic on my podcast, which is why I'm sharing all this stuff with you. I've already shared all this on my podcast, Mm -hmm. but I think that's a question that not a lot of creators, a lot of creators would hide that fact, I think. I think you're right. And that's why 
I'm excited to have you come on and talk about it. You know, this is the sort of stuff we want to be going into detail about on this show is the realities of being a creator and talking about the things that don't work. So I really appreciate you sharing that, Ben. Yeah, I was talking to Alexis the other day, or maybe it was a post on Slack. I can't remember. Someone was talking about there should be a creator middle class. Like people are either like super broke or they're multimillionaires in the creator. Like where's the creator middle class? And because I'm not planning on quitting ConvertKit anytime soon, I like this all just being a side hustle for me. So would I throw away millions of dollars? No, but I don't ever expect me to get to that level. And I am not aiming for it. So yeah, you're wanting to make it sustainable for you. That makes sense. And that also makes me wonder, the Ben that we get after eight hours at ConvertKit every day, would that be the same Ben that we get if this was his entire job, like your job was to create? Mm. Would that put too much pressure on you and maybe it would be bad? Would it free you up and make you go all in on something? But I think you posted this on Instagram, Ben, where you said that your safety net can might prevent you from taking risks that you otherwise might not mm. because... You know, if you were to quit ConvertKit, which is your cash cow, it's what pays the bills and keeps you fed and all that and pays the rent. And if you were just to go all in, would that be the the big push that your side hustle would need to be super successful? You know, that's super scary. And 99% of people would be like, hell no, I'm not doing that shit, you know? So I would say that the answer to that is no, because before I joined ConvertKit, I ran a private medical hypnotherapy practice for five years. And I was putting in 80 hours a week with that. And I had so many people give me the advice, Ben, you're going to be super successful. This is going to be easy for you. You're very charming. You're very good at what you do. And I put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it still failed, in my opinion. Like it was sustainable, but like I was killing myself to make it sustainable. So when I made that decision to shut it down and actually just get like a, a regular job, I think that. I'd be curious how often that works out for people when they say, you know what, if I just quit my job, I'll have so much more time to go all in and create all this content. I always get super skeptical and very actually like PTSD traumatized when people mention that. I'm like, there's yeah. no guarantee of success here. You know who I would love to have that answer that question is uh, our former very own like Matt Raglan, right? If you look at a uh, Alexis Teichmiller, who is, I assume that's the Alexis you're referencing, yeah. <laughs> right? I think, I think she'd be comfortable with me referencing this, but Alexis as a person, she, sometimes she needs someone to push her. Right. And then she jumped out on her, um, and is doing her side hustle full time. And that was a really big step for her. A lot of things aligned in her life that allowed her to do that as well, but it's a lesson that she's had to learn, right? Like in this period of time of transition between having a full-time job and having, somebody else have deadlines on her. Her personality responded to someone else having deadlines on her really well. And she's having to adjust to this period of time where now she's having to put the deadlines on herself. And it's been a great lesson for her. I'm like 99% sure she'd feel comfortable with me sharing that. But uh, too bad if she's not. <laughs> yeah, too, too damn. <laughs> but um but you have someone like Matt Raglan, I mean, I'm sure you guys have all followed kind of what he's doing, but he was a former ConvertKit employee and then he left and he was working at Podium. Podium? Podia. Podia. Yeah, Podia. Sorry, sorry. And then he put these, 
he put these restrictions on himself. Like he had to be making X number of dollars in his side hustle before he was gonna, you know, go all in. And so he was really intentional about it, but he made this hilarious video. I don't remember if it was on Instagram or not, where it was like startup Matt talking to current day Matt. Did any of you guys watch that? Yeah. It was also on his YouTube channel. It was really good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We should throw that in the show notes just because it's a great depiction of creators having like certain mindset at different stages of their creative career. And I, I love that video as a, as kind of a visual for, for that. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm always um, really curious to see, like being able to talk with creators, like behind the scenes and be like, okay, this is the social media face you put up, but like, what's, what's really going on here? It's sometimes it's been surprising. Sometimes people are much more successful than they let on and other times it's less. So it's important to realize social media is a curated image. It's the same thing. I think about this all the time. It's the same thing about debt. You know, it's like just because you're driving a Mercedes doesn't mean you're rich or Tesla doesn't mean you're rich. That's that's just hey, you know, anybody can go out and get a car loan. Yeah. <laughs> just just a thought. Just a thought. <laughs> yeah. You know, whether or not that's a financially sound decision. Well, you know, I'll let others decide. <laughs> I think this has been our, our longest episode yet. This has been a great conversation, guys. I've really enjoyed it. Me too. This has been fun. Super fun. Thank you so much for coming on here, Ben, and you know, being open and honest with us. I'm sure everybody that's watching appreciates it. So, oh, almost forgot before I close this out. We do have a shout out, don't we, Charlie? Yeah, we just want to shout out everyone who has been taking part in the Grow Your Audience Challenge. This is something we've been running at ConvertKit throughout the month of January, people have been making landing pages, building their audiences, and just like throwing themselves into it headfirst to like start something new for themselves this year. So if that's you, then Haley, who runs our community, wanted us to give you a shout out. Not me. <laughs> I'm sure you not, want it too, though, Haley. Not me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other, other Haley. Yeah. Other Haley. Yeah. So well done to everyone taking part in the Grow Your Audience Challenge. <laughs> can, can I say one more thing before we wrap up? Oh, come on. No. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> So I, I feel like if you've watched this whole thing, you you might have um, assumed I have kind of a bitter take about being a creator, or I've said a lot of things that are very, um, not shocking, but like I talk about a lot of the negatives here, but there's so many positives about being a creator. Um, I've had so many emails of people saying, wow, Ben, this has changed my life. This is amazing. I've had people like record me videos of themselves and it's so valuable and rewarding to share your message. And I've learned so much about myself through being a creator. The one part of my creator journey that has not been as consistent as I'd like is the financial bit, but that's not the only thing there. And some people are really talented at making money. Other people like myself (laughs) might not be, but it's also a skill that you're, you're working on. I think Nathan talks about that, that making money is a skill and you can get better at. And it's just taking me a little bit longer than other people. But again, if you're thinking about having a message you have, like definitely it's worth it to be a creator to share that message. And I don't think you came across as being too bitter or anything, Ben. I'll just say that as well. I think <laughs> okay. that it's just the reality of creating sometimes is that it's not all the good. And this is a space where we can talk about the bad that happens and like not judge each other for it. So yeah, like Miguel said, thanks for sharing and adding that. Yeah, I like to think that this podcast is, you know, a window into the things people maybe don't necessarily always talk about. And maybe that can sound like, you know, casting a a dim light on some of this stuff, but really it's just, we want to be open and honest and say the things that maybe you might hold back on because you're afraid whenever you're on YouTube or your public facing image, you're always worried about what do I say? How will this be taken? 
I just hope everybody here understands that it's just an honest conversation. And I can't think of any instance where it turns out that the thing that I thought I was alone on, I'm not actually alone on and other people are thinking it and feeling it too. So. Yeah, I agree. I think transparency is the thing that's actually going to move the creator community or creator economy more forward more than anything else, because the transparency that Ben shared about things that have been really hard, like someone's going to walk into it with the right expectations. But then when someone comes on and maybe they are a really skilled person at making money and they're transparent about how they're actually doing it and what's worked for them, like those are the things that we need to hear. Those are the things that are going to give people encouragement. And when expectations aren't set appropriately, that's when failure happens more consistently. So Yeah, Ben, I I appreciate your conversation. There's so much I have to learn from you. And thank you. Heart. (laughs) I was going to say something about him looking like a Hemsworth brother again, but then I thought I'd be like, be killed. I think we all get it now. Haley thinks Ben looks like a Hemsworth. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, you you think he looks like a Hemsworth? (laughs) Why didn't you mention it earlier? (laughs) I don't know. I was trying to fit it in. And then it was just, and then I was like, you're you're losing it, Haley. Whatever. All right. Well, I'm just glad that Ben's great looks took away from the fact that I'm sitting in front of a bookshelf pantry. But ah. enough about that. It's been really fun talking <laughs> to you guys. I love the I love the comments in, in the chat. I love everybody that is in this call with me. You guys are great. I love working with you. And let's do this again next week. Bye. Bye. Ta-ta. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.